Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. At odds, at each other's throats, angry words, uh, actions that are done that cause wounds for a lifetime. And, and, and to be clear now, we're not just talking about families where you share the last name and uh, same blood running through your veins. We're talking about family. We're family. We are the body of Christ. We're family. And a lot of times, if we're not careful, uh, although feuds make great TV, feuds don't make great life. How many would attest to that? When you're in, at odds with somebody, it's no fun. So we've been talking about that. So we're going to conclude today. We could, we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks on feuds because we've already talked about this. In the Bible, there are no perfect families, right? It's, there, I, I can't find a Cosby-like family anywhere. It's, it's Hatfield McCoy 24-7. I mean, they're fighting all the time, right? It's Dallas. It's Dynasty. It's, it's all that rolled into one. And so as you examine Scripture, I could look all over the place and find families and I almost didn't deal with this family because this is one of the most predominant feuds that we know about in Scripture. And then I was like, we got to deal with it. This is the family we all know about. So I want you to turn um, in Genesis chapter 25. We're going to read several passages just to give you the, uh, we could call them highlights, but other than one of the passages I'm going to read to you, they're the lowlights. All right, because this is some bad stuff when you start dealing with families. All right. So Genesis chapter 25, beginning of verse 27. The boys grew up. And Esau became an expert hunter and outdoorsman. I kind of like Esau. I, I, Y'all don't know. Okay, J Jacob, Jacob was a quiet man, preferring life indoors, around, or among the tents. So in other words, he was a girly man. Never mind. That's a, I, uh, okay, or at the very least, we know he was a mama's boy, right? Okay, we know he was a mama's boy. I'm going to prove it. I'm not, I, I'm not like dissing him, but I am. He was a mama's boy. Okay, so then the, the, here we go. Here's the, here's, the, here's the proof. Isaac loved Esau, and I, I love the Message Bible. I'm sorry, but I, I read it different than you read it probably, but I love the way this says. Isaac loved Esau because he loved his game. Now, I know he's talking about his, the, 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 the game that he's, but let's, let's talk it in, into the hood. He loved his game. I, that's a whole different connotation, but I still like it. He loved his game. All right. A whole different. Okay. But, but Rebecca loved Jacob. Some of y'all are too lily white to understand what I just said. Okay. But Rebecca loved Jacob. So there was a problem. All right. So we keep reading. One day Jacob was cooking a stew and Esau came in from the field starved. And Esau said to Jacob, give me some of that red stew. I'm starved. That's how he came to be called Edom or Red. And Jacob said, make me a trade, my stew for your rights as the firstborn. And Esau said, I'm starving. What good is a birthright if I'm dead? Jacob said, first swear to me, and he did. On oath, Esau traded away his rights as the firstborn, and Jacob gave him bread and the stew of lentils, and he ate and drank and got up and left. And that's how Esau shrugged off his rights as the firstborn. Uh, this is for free. This is not part of your notes. But I just want to say this to you. One of the signs of being in a feud is that you will capitalize on other people's needs to meet your own needs. All right? That's totally free. 
but, but we need to understand that if we're not careful when we're in a feud because hurt people hurt people, we will use somebody else's need and we will capitalize on it to meet our needs. Mic drop. Okay, a, a quiet one. All right, so. Um, I, and then the other thing I want to say is this, is that I wish I had time to deal with this fact, but I don't, and that is that Esau is the perfect picture of our current culture. We have a generation that's coming up that will throw everything away in their future for a temporary satisfaction. We do not understand the art of delayed gratification at all. And Esau paints that picture for us. Genesis chapter 27 and verse 32. His father, this is, this is after this, this is in another account. Genesis chapter 27 verse 32. His father Isaac said, and who are you? And he said, I am your firstborn Esau. But it wasn't Esau, we know that. Isaac started to tremble, shaking violently. Uh, this is after he's already been tricked, and this is Esau. And he said, Isaac starts to tremble, shaking violently. He said, then who hunted game and brought it to me? I finished the meal just now before you walked in, and I blessed him. He's blessed for good. And Esau, hearing his father's words, sobbed violently and most bitterly and cried to his father, my father, can't you also bless me? Your brother, he said, he came here falsely and took your blessing. And Esau said, not for nothing was he named Jacob the heel twice now. He's tricked me first. He took my birthright. Now he's taken my blessing. He begged, haven't you kept anything back? Any blessing from me? And Isaac answered Esau, I've made him your master and all his brothers, his servants, and lavished grain and wine on him. I've given it all away. What's left for you, my son? And then verse 41, and here's where it gets really the insight into the feud. Listen to what he says. Esau seethed in anger against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him, and he brooded. The time for mourning my father's death is close, and then I'll kill my brother Jacob. That's a feud. Genesis chapter 33, verses 1 and 2. Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men, and he divided the children between Leah and Rachel and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservants out in front, and Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. He led the way. And as he approached his brother, he bowed down seven times, honoring his brother. But Esau ran up and embraced him and held him tight and kissed him. And they both wept. This story is full of uh, favoritism and trickery and stealing and feuding. It is, it is a feud personified. This, this, this family was messed up, right? This is a dysfunctional family, to say the least. And so we know the account. Esau's tricked or deceived twice by his brother. The first time he's out hunting game, he comes in hungry. He approaches Jacob, says, I'm starving. And Jacob offers him stew. I would have never given my birthright right away because I don't like stew, so I'd have been okay. Um, but if he'd had steaks, if he'd had Papa Angelo's pizza, I can't get no help in the room, all right? If he'd had Bojangles... Cool. then the birthright is in trouble, all right? Because we can't get that out of here. Some of y'all don't know. You've never had the anointing of a, Bo, a Bojangles cinnamon biscuit. Okay, uh, I, I, I digress. And so, so he comes in and he tricks him. Then later, his mother plays favoritism and dresses him up with skins on his arms. And he goes in and not only does he take his birthright, he takes the patriarchal blessing and the war starts. Uh, this, this account spans many years. And it teaches us three very important lessons about feuds this morning. I wanted to end this whole series like this this morning. I want to teach you these three lessons. The first one is this. Lack of agreement 
leads to feuds. Lack of agreement leads to feuds. See, we tend to focus, if we're not careful, what we do is we focus on the favoritism played in this account. That, that the mom preferred one son and the dad preferred the other son and there was favoritism played. And that is true. But what I want to say to you this morning is I want you to, I, what, what, what we do is we focus on that favoritism and we fail to recognize the real root of the situation. Because the real root is, the, the, is this, the favoritism is nothing more than fruit. The root of this entire feud is lack of agreement. They couldn't get on the same page. They didn't have the same perception or perspective about their children. And so they played favoritism because they couldn't get an agreement. Now, what we know is this. Scripture very clearly teaches us, and Julie didn't know I was going to say this morning, so it's kind of interesting. It's interesting to me. She says this, but Scripture teaches us later that there is power in agreement, right? The Bible says we are told in the New Testament that wherever two or three gather together in his name, he shows up. And if we agree on anything, we can touch. And it will what happens on earth will be, be put into set into motion in heaven, right? And the back of the, there's power in agreement, right? We know that. But long before that statement and that truth was ever told, there is a, an object lesson, if you will, in this family. And what they show us is that the power of agreement may only be surpassed by the power of disagreement. Y'all missed it. If we are powerful when we agree and we come into unity, see, when you live, the Bible declares that there is a blessing that is commanded when people live in unity. That's not just at church. We want to make that about church. If, if we could all agree on the carpet color and the paint color and the light the brightness and the volume brightness, then there would be a blessing that's commanded towards us. And although that's true, so don't complain about the pain, that is not just reserved for this building because, because if we would ever live in unity at home, if we would ever understand that if we lived in unity at work, if we could ever get in lockstep and in unity at school, then there is a commanded blessing. But we need to understand that just as powerful as agreement is, the only thing that can surpass the power of agreement is the power power of disagreement. And I tell you that this morning because I am convinced that so many of us, we, we stay wrapped up in feuds because we can't agree. Okay, I, all right. So I told you last week that our ability to see things differently is not a curse. It's a gift. But some of us are so committed to the way that we see things that when everybody else doesn't see like we see, then, then there comes this disunity and lack of agreement, and then we have no power. In fact, I want to say something to you this morning. You need to listen to me. The enemy, one of his favorite tactics to cause feuds is to get us in disagreement. Okay, let me get where you live. Like when you walk into the bathroom and the, and the toothpaste is laying on the counter and you're a squeeze at the, the bottom kind of person and the other one that lives in your household decided that it was easier to squeeze the top. How many of you know if you're not careful because you're not in agreement in which is the best way to do this, there can be lack of unity, right? 
Uh, does, the, does the toilet paper go on this way or does it go on this way? And it can lead to disunity. And in the middle of disunity, in this lack of harmony, there is lack of power. I want you to hear me this, this morning is that what I'm saying to you is that unity is blessed. And unless we are living unified, then we are living under a curse that causes us to have lack of power. So what I'm saying to you is that w- this is hard to do. This is, this is grown-up stuff, all right? This is for the mature in the audience, all right? This is for the mature ones of us. We have got to learn to be able to disagree and still be in agreement. Okay. All right. See, 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 see. A feud is rooted in disagreement, but it is fruited in powerlessness. If if there's no agreement, then we are powerless. So so then then what I've recognized is that the enemy knows that feuds not only destroy relationships, they destroy or they assassinate agreement. So if the enemy can get you fighting with someone, there's no agreement there. And if there's no agreement there, then there's no power there. So we got to learn that when I don't agree with you about the team that you root for, that even though we're not in agreement, we're not in disagreement. I can find something about that team I like. Like they lost by 30. That's what I like about them. Uh, like they vacated the number one position. So, oh, some, so, so, okay, never mind. That was for somebody in the audience. I won't say who that was for because he'll never talk to me again. Sorry, Dr. B. Uh, in the scepter. In the scepter. Okay. Uh, but we still, we learn to, uh, to stay in agreement even when we have different perspective, right? That's the sign of maturity. That heads off feuds. The second thing I want you to understand, and this is a powerful lesson that we need to learn this morning, is that distance does not diffuse, it only delays. See, I'm concerned because I think if we're not careful, what we do is we read this story and we know how the account goes. Jacob goes to his uncle's house, which didn't go great either, except he met a fox and then it's like a literal, like, it's not the little fox. Okay, he, he, he ran into this, this beautiful woman. Uh, don't even talk about the fact that they're intermarrying into families because their, their family tree went straight up. But anyway, he, he, see, he goes to his uncle's house, and one of his uncle's daughters is fine, so he works for her for how long? Seven years, right? Then his uncle deceives the deceiver and sends in Leah, which was a whole other story, and he wakes up the next morning. I don't know how much partying he'd done the night before, but he didn't know it was the wrong one. He wakes up, and he sees Leah, and he works for another so what happens is, is we know that he's gone for at least 14 years. And if we're not careful, we make the assumption that being gone, being distanced, the change in scenery, the, the separation healed the feud. But it didn't. If you go back and read the account, I'm going to read a passage to you out of Genesis chapter 32, which I can prove to you there was fallout from this feud that was never dealt with by distance. Distance does not diffuse a feud. It delays the fallout. Listen to what it says. Genesis chapter 32, verses 6 through 8. The messengers came back to Jacob and said, We talked to your brother Esau, and he's on his way to meet you. This is at least 14 years later. But he has 400 men with him. Listen to what happens. If you, don't, if you think distance fixed this feud, listen to how Jacob responds. Jacob was scared. Very scared. Panicked. And this is what he does. He divides his people, his sheep and his cattle and his camp, 
his camels into two camps. He thought if Esau comes on the first camp and attacks it, the other camp has a chance to get away. You think about that statement that I just read to you right there. What that tells us is they've been separated. The life station has changed. He's now married. He's got children. They both have children. They've, they've both become successful. They both have uh, extra sheep and camels that they didn't have when they were getting in, into this feud. And their whole life has changed. Jacob walks with a limp. And we think distance fixed it. But when, they almost, when it's time for them to come back together, Jacob is so terrified of his brother that he separates his family into two groups so that when Esau shows up and decides to kill us, he can only kill one group. Doesn't sound like the feud's fixed to me. Think about this, what this passage is telling us. He's so afraid and so consumed that he knows that Esau must still be angry at me. I just want to tell you this morning that distance will, distance will never diffuse a feud. Now, we've talked about the fact that there are moments in life where you will need to distance yourself from people, okay? There are moments that you will need to separate yourself. I can't hang out with you like I used to hang out with you. I can't talk to you every day like I used to talk to you. I'm not going to respond to every text, every email, every Facebook, every tweet. We've got to separate for a while, right? We've talked about that. But I don't want you to, understand, I don't want you to misunderstand and believe that that fixes the feud. Because what the, the, the fact is, is that distance only delays the fruit of the feud and th that there is still one day where you are going to have to deal with the fight. There is one day that will come because that, that you're going to come face to face like you can't avoid them all of your life. Like at the least expected moment, you're walking through Walmart buying last-minute Christmas presents and, and you didn't buy one for them because you haven't been with them for like six years because you had to distance yourself. And all of a sudden, in, in the aisle, and there they are. Distance doesn't fix feuds. We want to use distance as a solution, but I want you to understand that distance is really only a stall tactic. It just delays the fallout of the feud until you're ready to deal with it. And that is the third lesson that I want to teach you this morning and the one I've been waiting all four weeks to get to. And that is simply this. The fight can be fixed. That is the power of this message, of this, this account. This whole account teaches us that feuds can be fixed. You think about the severity of this feud. The fact that one brother has deceived another brother. The fact that a mom has preferred one son over the other son. And one dad, or a dad has preferred one son over the other son. And that they've tricked each other. And that they've lied to each other. And that they've stolen from each other. This is like... General Hospital on steroids. It's, it's crazy. The days of our lives. As the world turns. I don't know which one. All my children, I'm trying to get them all for you because some of y'all are, are preference. You have preference. Some, do y'all know what soap operas even are? My grandmother watched soap operas every day of her life. I know about Luke. <laughs> some of you are like, huh? I know. Few, I know. We'll have deliverance service afterwards. Okay. This account is that account. And yet, it doesn't matter how severe the rift is or how broken the relationship is or how much pain has been caused or how many words have been spoken 
or how many dis- devious deeds have been done. This account teaches us that, that, that the fight can be fixed. But I want you to notice something. The fight was not fixed because somebody hoped it would be fixed. And the feud wasn't stopped because somebody spent six hours in prayer. There were some very specific actions that took place that caused this fight to come to an end. And I want to give them to you and then I'm going to get out of your way. The first one is, is this. I, I, this is the truth I need you to catch. Feuds are fixed by approach. I knew I wouldn't get no help because we don't like this part. The thing I notice out of this account is this, is that Jacob takes the first step towards Esau. It, it was an intentional, he had spent time in prayer, he had had an encounter with God. How many of you would, so you won't even, you won't even raise your hand right now because then it puts you on the spot. How many of you have encountered God this morning? See, I knew only one, two, okay, because then you know what I'm saying. If we've had an encounter, y'all don't play fair. If, if we've had an encounter with God, then he's instructed to take the first step. And he begins the journey towards Esau. He ta- In order to resolve a feud, you will have to be willing to take a step. You will have to take some initiative. Now, I just want to draw your attention back to a passage of Scripture in Matthew that we love to read and we also love to ignore. And it's about when you come into the house and you begin to worship God and you remember that your brother has odd against you. In other words, when you remember somebody's mad at you, not the other way around, when somebody is mad at you, you remember they're mad at you. You have an obligation to leave your gift and go find them. You have to take a step. That's an intentional step. It doesn't say that we wait on them. And so in other words, what I'm saying to you is this, is you will never improve your relationships if you won't approach and the last lesson out of this is this, is that Jacob approached appropriately. You go back and you read the account, and what you see is that Jacob, when he sees Esau on the horizon, he runs towards him and he bows down before him seven times. I just want to tell you this morning that humility heals hurts. I don't, there had to come this moment where, where Jacob and Esau both made this decision. I really don't care if I'm right. I just want this fixed. I don't really care about who who did what and who was wrong and who said what and who threw what and who acted this way and who locked the door on me and who badmouthed me on Facebook and who threw my phone down the toilet. I don't really care. I don't care who wore my clothes. I don't really care. All I know is I'm going to approach in humility because I'm more committed to the relationship being healed than I am to being right. Approaches everything. Listen, if you don't approach in humility, a feud will turn into a full-fledged bloodletting war. But if you approach with humility, time may be necessary, distance may be necessary, but ultimately an, an approach is necessary. Our, here, my last statement to you that I want you to remember, I need you to, to, to get this. Our issue is that too many of us never see a fixed fight because we fight the fix. That was good. I, 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 so I'm going to tweet myself. Um, some of us never see a fight get fixed because we fight the fix because the fix is we have to approach and humble ourselves. And we're so concerned about, I want to protect my rights. I was right. She was wrong. I was right. 
May I remind you this morning that when you give your life to Jesus, you have no rights. We want to superimpose our, our American beliefs over our Christ beliefs. And when we give ourselves to Jesus, we die to ourselves and our rights die with us. And so now when there's a feud, I don't have to be right. We just got to get it repaired. Why? Because without unity, there's no blessing. So the good news this morning that I, I, I need to come and tell you is this. I, I just need you to understand that, that there may be moments where you approach someone and there's no response and then you're off the hook. When you've done your part and you've approached and they don't respond, you're off the hook, you've done your part. But the good news is that fights can be fixed. But I don't want to sugarcoat this. One last little truth out of this, lesson, this, this, this account. Uh, they bury the hatchet. They make things right. Their relationship is repaired. But when they go home, they go home in peace. You go read. They go home and they live in peace. But they go home different. In fact, Esau goes home first and Jacob follows him. They don't go together. So, so maybe there's a rift in your life and you go, well, it'll never be the same. That's okay, but if it's healed, if it's no longer dysfunctional, if you're not slandering them on Facebook and they're no longer slandering you on Facebook and you can at least like show up at a house and not kill each other out in the front yard and have everybody calling 911 and, and putting you on police live now and Facebooking you live. Watch, look at these idiots out in the front yard on Thanksgiving. They share the last name, but now there's at least peace where you can sit around a table as a, at least get it to there. It may never be the same, but it can be healed. And I'm asking some of you, to review the relationships in your life and make up your mind that although we may need distance right now, Kim, if you'll come on, if, you, if we need distance right now, that's fine. But, 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 but listen, I, I, I want the fight fixed and I recognize that if I want the fight fixed, I can't fix the fight. I'm going to have, I, I can't, can't fight the fix. I, I've got to make an approach. I've got to approach you. And I'm going to approach you right. I'm going to approach you in humility. Father, this is a very difficult lesson to learn. It's not for the immature in this crowd. I pray that you would grow us all up this morning to the place that we can embrace this lesson. That we would learn how to deal with the relationships in our lives, especially the broken ones, the hurt ones the ones that have resulted in lack of unity because we recognize this morning that the only thing more powerful than our togetherness is our brokenness because our lack of unity surpasses agreement. So this morning I pray that we would fight for the power of agreement and we would quit fighting what fixes brokenness. God, I'm asking that what you would do in this moment is you would provide for us at the moment that we're ready, you would provide for us an opportunity to approach. And Father, I'm praying that we would approach appropriately, that rather than approach and talk about you did me wrong and you hurt my feelings and, and, and you shouldn't have done what you did and, and, and my rights have been violated, Father, I pray that instead what we would do is we would approach with humility and would go, Let's just make this right. Because I want you blessed and I want to be blessed. 
Father, I'm praying for a testimony out of this time that we've spent in these four weeks, a testimony of a family feud that's been fixed, that's been righted, that's been healed. But I recognize this morning that the only way we will receive that kind of testimony is if those of us that are following hard after you will grow up enough to approach up enough to recognize that distance doesn't fix a few. We must approach to see the fight fixed. I ask you would do this in Jesus' name. Would you do this with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. A little different this morning. If you're here and you'd say, Steve, I have some relationships that I can... Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress.